0: Hello and welcome to Guy Perryman Interviews. Our travel companion today is Pebo Bryson, Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter and king of the Disney duet. The conversation took place backstage at Blue Note Tokyo in July 2023 and was first broadcast across Japan on my Inter-FM radio show. Enjoy the journey. It is wonderful to welcome on board Peebo Bryson. Hello. Guy, how are you? You good, I, I, mate? I'm good, mate. I am very good, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're cheeky already. <laughs> oh, right. I, I am. My wife's British.
0: Yeah. Of course, yes, the, the singer. Exactly,
1: from, from uh, the
0: 411. 411, yes, yeah. yes. How long have you two been together? 13 We've been married 13 years. Do you remember your anniversary? Uh, July
1: 25th.
0: Oh, just around the corner. Yeah. What's it like being married
1: to a British woman? Uh, it's... Uh, decidedly different. <laughs> it, it's, uh, uh, all issues are resolved through dialogue. Ah. Uh, and there's Apart from? Uh, oh, well, uh, well there's, there's basically the absence of drama if you have a, if you establish good communication between each other. Well, that's great to know. I think so. Yeah. You have made so many of us
0: happy for so many years with your music, and I think your music is like a dialogue between lovers. I mean, you love love. i like th-
1: you know, that's a, that's a that's an an interesting way of putting it. Guy actually I I'd like to think of it that way. Personally, I do think of it that way, but that you would say that makes me feel like i I was actually doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you kind of put the words into my mouth. So Well, it's a uh, it's this kind of a uh, being a poet at heart, it's not always the easiest thing to, to convey your feelings in an accurate way and, and in a way that actually relate to a wide body of people. And so a poet who is also a musician and a composer has decided to advantage you. <laughs> I think, you know, because you can you can write a composition that reflects your words, you know, in a, in a way that a poet cannot. You know, I just if a poet. The words alone don't quite do it. You have to actually have gone through that exact or, or similar mm. kind of experience to, to to internalize it that way. Mm. Whereas music gives you a decided advantage wow. in, in terms of being able to reach a, a a broader audience. I think
0: it's very interesting you mentioned that. But I think when you listen to music with lyrics the lyrics can guide you wherever correct
1: yeah that's so, correct you yeah. what, what do you
0: want your audience to feel when they hear your music
1: uh, basically that they, they're not alone in whatever it is that they're they're trying to navigate <sighs> uh, emotional navigation these days with so many different dark rabbit holes to go down, and <laughs> it's. I'm surprised what is. I mean, you people are only hoping for quasi normal, <laughs> they're, they're not. You, you're, you, you to, to be suffering from no neuroses at all at this particular point is that's a fantasy. Maybe it's just me, but. I, I think I don't want them to feel alone. I want them to feel like I want to leave instructions. It's like a, I look at it like I'm walking up a perilous path. And the path is perilous because there are so many stepping stones that probably need to be removed or need, at least be, need to be navigated. But some of them are hidden. Mm-hmm. And my purpose is to remove some of those perilous stepping stones for those who are surely coming behind me on the same path it's a beautiful way to put that that's that's how i see it that's why i i started doing it that's why i started i wanted to write and become a, a composer and all that i wanted to do all of that in music long before i was capable of doing it uh, you know, to amass those skills is not it's not the easiest thing in the world to to try to start at zero and kind of get to a point where you can you can actually express what you think on the, the music that's rolling around in your head that nobody hears but you. It's a it's a weird it's, a, it's it's you can imagine it's a weird feeling. It's it's the same feeling you get when you got words running around rolling around in your head, you know, and how you want to place those and all that, and what's the best way to say something, you know, and to get the most impact out of it to say to express to people to reach people uh, to get the point across that you want to hit them you mm-hmm. have to do that it's the same as what you do really
0: in a, in a way i remember interviewing sting and he said i hate writing songs because it's so much hard work
1: it and is hard work yeah. i mean you know people don't realize that i mean and, and if you've written some of the songs that sting has written gee whiz it must be i would liken it to uh childbirth uh, you know long, <laughs> no seriously in, in terms of term carriage you know uh you know because it, it, it could take nine months to for a song to be something become something that i would want it to be mm-hmm. and that i'm okay with leaving it be in the state it's in mm-hmm. and that's that must be difficult for, for sting as well he, he gotta hate it i've only been around him once oh. uh, he was in the steam room and in the, the sauna in my gym my building <laughs> Uh, with Gregory Hines, oh. Greg and I were talking out, and Sting came out. He was in the solo working out for the part of Fade Rautha in oh. Doom. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> so, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah, he was he was intense about you know I mean he was his body was getting ready to be on camera. He was he was laser focused. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remembered about him. He was, he was laser focused. It wasn't rude or anything like that. It was, you know, uh, and if he was close friends with Greg, then that really spoke to his character Um, because Greg was really a sweet human being. Good guy.
0: You mentioned just a moment ago about writing songs before you were you you were really ready for it. But I mean, you started real young. I, I, I think you debuted at 14. Were you singing from as early as you can remember?
1: Always did. I was fortunate. My mother was such a music lover, right, right. you know, and that. that means that she had to take my older sister and myself to concerts like uh, that would feature Sam Cook and Jackie Wilson on the same program, and you're going to be able to A-B them to compare one to the other, and it was like comparing apples to pineapples, you know, it was like you know, one was what it was, and the other was what it was, and it was... And the competition wasn't personal. It was just professional. It it was, it really came down to preference. They both had commanding personalities. One was Sam Cooke's thing was, I'm a star. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's no, there's no debate. There's There's nothing to compare. It's just, I am what I am. And that is the top of the heap. So he didn't allow himself to, he wasn't really competing. And Whereas Jackie Wilson was, um, he was the first guy I ever saw, first artist I ever saw, who threw himself into a crowd, and they actually caught him. (laughs) (laughs) He made Prince look like he was standing still on stage, and and there's probably not two better live performers than Prince. He could invoke such deep emotions in his audience. He would be singing Stop Dogging Me Around and point at a random woman in the crowd. And other women would shove her around a bit because they thought she actually hurt his feelings in some way, shape oh. or form. His persona transcended reality. He didn't know this woman, but <laughs> but they thought just in case he knows her, you know, uh, that we're going to ask her a few hard questions here. Did you hurt Jackie's feelings? I mean, but... You know, this is the height of segregation in our country, and he would go from having his suit torn off, literally, they would just want a piece of it. Come back, new suit on, sit on a stool, pin spot, sing Danny Boy, and make the white audience weep. I'd never seen anything like that. I thought that was that was transcendent for me. Uh, it was like, I was like, whoa, this thing here, this platform in the, in the hands of somebody who was about the right thing, and not quite the narcissist that these guys are, <laughs> could could actually be helpful in terms of if your music is not helping, and if it's not bringing clarity, or it doesn't have to be an extended moment of clarity, it could just be a, a small moment of clarity that will help you navigate your life a bit, a bit better, then mm. whatever I, I wrote at that particular point, whatever Trials and tribulations it took from me to actually write it and whatever honesty it took from me because it's really about yourself because you were really, if you expose something intimate, you're exposing that intimacy about yourself because you can't, you, there's there's no surrogate, you are it. And if you haven't felt it, you haven't gone through it, then you can't write about it. I don't. That's my basic general rule. And I'm sure it stings as well. I mean, are, are, are people who write that well, you have to be the genuine article. Uh, and you also have played all the parts of all the characters in all your songs. You have to be the good, the bad, the, the, <laughs> the you have to be all of them. And if you haven't been all of them, then you should not try to write about it because you don't know what you're talking
0: about. I always speak with people about the power of music. And you've just given us that great example about a musician making an audience cry.
1: Well, here's the the thing. So music is therapeutic. It's therapeutic to me. It's therapeutic for me to write it. I think you take the composition and the lyrics and the production away from my life. I'm pretty maladjusted. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> I'm I'm not quite as sane as I am in this moment <laughs> I mean, some, something's missing something's going to be missing because it was therapy for me when I wrote it I because mean, it's out now, whatever it is it's been said and it's being used to help someone else navigate the same slings and arrows I mean, if, if you look at it that way so what's it cost? You exposed your, a bit of yourself, so what? yeah you're famous, of course, for your duets. It's not something that you, you start out trying to do. I mean, it's not, <laughs> there's no intent there. My first duet partner was Natalie Cole. She was brand new and I was even newer. <laughs> and actually a guy from my hometown helped write. This will be guy I grew up with. <laughs> it's not like it was foreign to me. I, um, there was a, in the, the, the top 40 band I was in, they were, were making records. They had a pretty good record that in, in the UK, as a matter of fact, and I wanted to be in that band. I mean, this is my hometown, and they they were they were called, on the record in the UK, they were called Moses and Joshua. Mm-hmm. I mean, the song was called, it was My Elusive Dream. It, was, it did pretty well on your British charts. Maybe all the way to number two. What year is this? I have no idea. <laughs> I knew that they were making records, and that was fascinating to me. I was going. This is a band that's in my hometown and they are making records, I want in. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because one of the prerequisites for being in this band was that you had to learn how to read and write music and you had to play an instrument. I was not proficient at any instrument at that particular point, uh, but it was required. So all those skills that I did not have, and I had the heart, I had the mindset. I had everything I had to desire, I just did not have the skills. Not having the skills to express yourself through your particular art or your chosen art is the most frustrating thing there is on the planet. It was like Diane Warren, she's a great writer. What if- if I went to you and I went to her house and we were or we were at her house now and we were talking about a song and I went over there to play a piece of something that I was writing or something and I changed the program on her keyboard, she'd be in tears when she came in because she cannot program. Everything is set, it's meant to stay there forever. <laughs> <laughs> boy, boy, it's meant to stay exactly in that mode forever. I don't care what the technology's changed and all that. She doesn't want she doesn't want, she doesn't, want she doesn't want a new one. She doesn't want the latest greatest. She wants this one. And if you and I touch it, we're dead. That's what it was like for me. I mean, I'd go to the park and, and I'd sit on my, my, my cement bench and I'd reflect and I'd try to write these songs. One of my siblings had touched my guitar and I could not tune it properly. So I couldn't retune it. So I'd just make up something and and try to keep going. But that was very, very frustrating. So I wanted to be able to play and be able to tune my own guitar and not become Diane Warren at any point.
0: <laughs> so you developed the skills, you learned I, the skills. Yeah, you had
1: to learn the skills. and I, I That alleviated so much frustration in it. And also, again, uh, as great therapy for me. I'm better uh, and more confident, and music is probably no more than 30% of a learned skill set. The rest is confidence. And you got that, too. Well, you know, you you do after a while, you get it. You realize you have to clear the the deck. In other words, you have to move all stepping stones, get everything that's cluttering up your path out of the way. The first thing you do is you refuse to compete with anybody about anything except for yourself and what you did yesterday. I'm not competing with anybody. I never wanted to compete with Luther Vandross, whether he wanted to or not. I never wanted to compete with a Teddy Pendergrass, whether he thought there was some competition or not, or thought I was trying to usurp him in some kind of way. I would purposely make him feel uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not serious. I you know? see you are cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Teddy needed taking the you No, he really did. Like, so I'd make him uncomfortable and say things like. So, guy, how's it feel to be number one, man? <laughs> Just riding the top, And he said, every time I turn around, it's another number one, man. How does that feel? What are you? How do you handle all that, man? I think, like, they going for you? So, like, and "How and, did he take it?" Oh, uh, he was spend the next hour playing it down, playing it all down. <laughs> because it made him. A, uh, quite frankly, because he's, he's an Aries like I am, I oh. knew that that would make him uncomfortable. Cause <laughs> it's like your mother saying, uh, "My son, the doctor," and. The, <clears throat> <laughs> <Yeah. Right. laughs> it's uncomfortable, and I knew it made him uncomfortable. That's why I did it. Oh. Why do you love a duet? You can't be around Natalie Cole in that, in that moment and not fall in love with her. Couldn't do it. She's statuesque, she's got the pedigree, and she's got the skills. She's got the natural talent that you that's undeniable at that point. She was the first person on that level that I got to know. And the other person was Jeffrey Osborne. We were actually doing some work together. He was with LTD at the time. We all did this program. That's how we all got to know each other. I used to actually tell this humongous fib that Capitol Records was interested in me and they were trying to steal me away from Bang Records. Of course, I didn't know anybody at Capitol Records. I'd never met an executive. The only person at Capitol Records I had ever met was... Natalie Cole and her manager, his name was Kevin Hunter, I think. And he can't get anybody signed. He's got one artist. (laughs) As fate would have it, I only want, only goal then was to resign with Bang Records for more money, of course, (laughs) and more benefits. But at that point, they'd allowed me to produce, write, and do everything with my music. And that meant more to me than anything because there were only two of the artists doing it. Stevie and Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. So I think the third person to be self-contained was actually me. My bosses did that. They were a married couple, Alene and Eddie Bisco. Uh, her first husband who had died was Burt Burns, who wrote "Twist and Shout," "Cry Baby," <laughs> "Taking a Little Piece of My Heart." <laughs> I, I, it's like this guy was—he was a real badass. <laughs> And really, the music genius behind the construction of Atlantic Records—they were the ones that allowed me to produce my own work. It took all the time I was there, to, all the years I was there, to talk them into it. With Stevie and and Marvin—they took it took years to talk somebody into it. You know, allowing somebody to become to do something like that—it's it's tough. You know, uh, learning curve is. It's tough. You have to be tough and be able to stand up to anybody. I mean to to the greatest musicians on the planet. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to stare them down and say, No, don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you're looking at a guy who actually said to Diane Warren. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, it's like and she didn't balk. She uh, wrote a song called uh, Why Goodbye. Really tough to sing. <laughs> she was taken out of me for you know, saying that or treating her <laughs> like that. But you know, along comes my first duet opportunity, and I didn't know how to do a duet. No. Oh. Not really. Mm. I'm just kind of learning on the job, and I'm trying to not offend anybody. And, you know, you're not. Wor- you're, I'm recognizing that you're not working alone. There's other people to consider. I thought the greatest duet album I'd ever heard was Donny Hathaway and Roberta Flack, You Got a Friend. Just magnificent.
0: Is there one of yours that's a particular favourite that you're so glad or someone you got to sing with?
1: Well, I'd have to say Roberta, and I'll tell you why, because this answers two questions. That's how I learned how to do a duet, the proficiency of doing a duet and, and the secrets of a successful duet, mm. and that is you've got to fall a little bit in love with your duet partner. <laughs> the trick is to play to... Your duet partners' strengths and weaknesses mm. equally, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. If they're first to figure out what somebody's thing is, where where they're strong and where they're weak. Mm. And you're not writing it down, and you're not getting somebody to write it down and say, "Hey, you know, you're you're just clocking it mm. in your own head," mm. because you can't point it out. Mm. That's the wrong thing to do. You've ruined it the moment you point it out mm. that you've that you see somebody's. Tendency and some two duet partners, not Roberta, but most of them were like self interpretation. You know, the Disney songs didn't come with a a model, there was no model. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this, there's only your interpretation, there's only what you do, Mm -hmm. and that's as real as it gets. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come with instructions, and nobody's gonna, even though Walter Afanasiev is in the room. He's not going to suggest you sing it anyway. He's not going to have one... Nobody's going to have one suggestion of how you approach it. Not one. So it's all it's 150% interpretation. So what do-it partners tend to do is they start second-guessing themselves. And it's like, am I, am I being creative enough? Is this the right approach? And then I can't think of anything else to do. So they start stealing from you. <laughs> 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 right? right. <laughs> So, but but that's a strength and a weakness. But you, it's okay. So you learn, and you don't say anything. you don't point it out. Mm-hmm. You just save something that you want to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. You you put it in the back of your head, and you give her something that you're not going to use, and she goes and she likes it, and <laughs> she takes it. And, <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, so it's it's uh, it's understanding the psychology of of two people with the same goal, mm-hmm. and I, I think. Roberta's a she's a teacher at heart, and she's all about it. And she doesn't talk about it, but she has like the perfect pitch thing going. So any variation in tone is like fingernails on a chalkboard to her, you know. <laughs> if it's if it's any variation in pitch, so there's that. So she set a different standard because she's got the perfect pitch thing going. So you've learned from the great Donny Hathaway that you can take just the melody and make it pay over and over again. That you could put emotion into just the melody. When you you take those two things into account, so my duet with Roberta Flack would be the most crucial, right. indispensable in actually learning how to do it. And, and that at no point ever should you be in competition with your duet partner. <laughs> <laughs> no point ever on any level, you know. So that and you you you're going to be accommodating, and, and that's that's what you get. I mean. Selena and I decided to sing something together long before there was a song. So now we are going to the studio and and to sing Beauty and the Beast. We've never met. We get there and they have this petition between us and it's got this part wood and part glass so we can actually see each other. And she doesn't know if I'm the genuine article or not. She knows that she is. And she doesn't know what to expect from me. What if this guy's just made up? This is gonna be a, a fiasco. if he he doesn't have the goods. I mean, I know how hard it was for me to come up with my interpretation of this song. What's he done, right? (laughs) So she looks at me through this thing and it's, the look I would say was Hopeful but <laughs> with an asterisk. Her expression was not brimming with confidence. Let me just say that. <laughs> you know, it was not. So it, you have you have that. And so she sends me some of her b minus stuff. And she looks at me expectant to see some kind of reaction. I realize she's actually waiting for a reaction, so I just give her a slight grin. Mm-hmm. And I sent her some C plus stuff, and she smiles back. So now the load is lightening, and she's looking at me like, "Should I go for it?" Yeah, (laughs) it's not a conversation we're having, but it is a conversation. We're communicating body language wise. There are no words, Mm. but we're and she lets loose and and just to see. I actually almost laughed. Well, I might have laughed. <laughs> I might have actually laughed because I said, "No, you didn't leave me in the dust. I'm, I'm still here. I'm still still standing. Still standing. It's, it's it's still good. So it's over." Then you she relaxes and she does Celine, and I do me, mm. and nobody says anything. They just ask us, "Let's sing it again. And sing it again. Sing it again." Okay, well, we're finished. Do you remember how many takes you did? wasn't that many. They would, ex- the, somebody would come and explain, we hadn't seen the animation at that, any of the animation at that point. So somebody would come explain Beauty and the Beast, you know how, well you know the tale, but where this song is gonna be in the film and then they explain the whole teapot and all that. That's the only thing that they would explain where it's gonna be, how it's gonna be used and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, but in terms of interpretation, that maybe, it certainly wasn't more than a half dozen times. Probably not more than a half dozen takes. I can't think of Walt Disney, I can't
0: think of a Disney movie or a Disney musical without thinking of Peebo Bryson. And, no. and, and in reverse, when I think of Peebo Bryson, it's always, oh, a Disney musical. What's it like for you when you watch the big screen and hear your voice come out?
1: There aren't really any words to, to say what it, what it means. You know, As an artist, every artist, it's every artist's dream, whether they admit it or not. They may not own up to it, but it's every artist's secret dream. And hope to record a song one day that the world will sing along with them. And they will feel the same things that they felt in the same places, in the same moments. And they will have the same meaning. Have all those things syncing up. That's like, it's, man, that's like recreating the age of Aquarius. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jupiter has been aligned with Mars. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, uh, uh, it's when you have that, uh, you, We. Every artist is every artist dream to have one song like that in a career. To have several is overwhelming, and to say the very least. You know, and to be chosen by Roberta Flack in that in that era, in that in those moments, as a stand in for arguably the greatest R&B voice just voice in general I've ever heard I mean he, his interpretation and his feel, the feeling that Donny Hathaway could put in a song mm-hmm. changed my whole perception of how I was singing it made me seek myself out mm-hmm. which is not the easiest thing in the world because I was a I could imitate anybody oh. was really good at it but I didn't know what I sounded like mm-hmm. and when going in pursuit of oneself well that changes everything. Donnie was just being Donnie, and so that I cannot be that. I cannot be uh, Felipe When They already exist. Uh, I can only be me and become unique. There's nobody that actually sounds like me for the last 40 years, so I'll take it. So <laughs> you found yourself. Well, well, here no you are. There <laughs> you are. Finding yourself is, is the other thing, so being associated with uh, forever songs like the Disney songs is... And those are forever songs. There are no words that, uh, uh, that will express adequately the, the level of gratitude, the one as, a, as an artist that you feel for something like that. These are songs that take people back to their happy place. I mean, I, I can perform those songs now. And adults will be singing in the audience, weepy-eyed. Mm-hmm. You know, because it reminds them of, it takes them back to a specific place that, when they were the happiest mm-hmm. that they've ever been. And I can bring a random child up to that stage and and ask him to sing, him or her to sing the last note, never fails, that they step up to that moment. But that speaks to Disney's product. It gives children who would never find themselves on a stage in front of an audience the courage to sing a note in a moment like that because it's a Disney song and Because it's a Disney song, it's okay for you to step up because this is about, Disney's product is about you stepping up as a child.
0: How wonderful to feel your youth again, so. How about it? (laughs) Well, I've been feeling good today. We're out of time. You've got to get on stage here at Blue Note for your show. I could have asked you a million more questions, but for today, Peebo Bryson, thank you so much.
1: Oh, the pleasure's all mine, Guy. I enjoyed it.
0: And thank you for joining us today. For more interviews and information, please go to guyperryman.com.